Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Blake Klein. There's always this like presence of worship here, and I just love that. Like it's, It kind of reminds me of when, when we first started doing this about two and a half years ago or so. Like uh, We would just gather with no... like expectations to fill a room up or do anything like that, but we just wanted to meet with God, and we just wanted to be with Him, uh, and like, I don't know, I'm kind of, I was sitting in the back, and I was just kind of reflecting on the last two and a half years of like what God has done through this, uh, and, and it's cool to see you guys here, because I believe that in, in the, the big numbers, that's great, and even in the smaller ones, that's even better, because this gives you guys an opportunity to get to know each other just a little better, because it's a little more intimate, and, and I get to see y'all's faces a little bit more specifically when I'm up here. And so I'm thankful for y'all. Y'all are here. Uh, and so we're, we're starting a series uh, this week. It's called If Then. And the whole idea behind this is that if Jesus is this, then what does that mean for us, right? Uh, and so this message that I'm going to be talking about tonight is, is, is behind this idea is if, if Jesus is who he says he is, then I will follow his lead. Uh, and, and, and so we're just so glad that you're here tonight. And, and what we believe is that this book, this book holds the story of God. And the story of God is, is a love story to you. That he cares about you and he loves you. And, and we hope that you come here to abide, that you're built up and not beat up. And we, we want you to, to be here and meet people. And we want you to have an experience with God one-on-one. But we also want you to experience God together. And, and so this book is all about that. Experiencing God, but also experiencing God together. And with that being said, if you have your... Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And, and, and Jesus is here and, and he says this. It's uh, John chapter 8, verse 53. And he's asked this question. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God, but you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not even 50 years old, and yet you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to him, Let's really key in on this. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And, and as we turn into a few verses over in John chapter 14, and we all know this one, and he's also, again, having a conversation about himself, but this time it is with one of his disciples. And Thomas asks him the question, and Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where, where, where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, and he know this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you like to take notes, and if you want to write a title down, the, the title of this message is, He Knows the Way. He Knows the Way. And, and so if you'll pray with me, we'll, we'll kind of get going. Dear God, thank you for your love and your mercy. And I just pray that tonight you would move in a way that is, is new to someone, that we would begin to see who you really are, and not on the basis of what we thought you have been, or who, who people told, you, told us that you are, that, but basically by who you say you are, God. We thank you for your love and your mercy, and we thank you for everything that you're going to do tonight. So did y'all, um, growing up uh, in school, did y'all have like yearbook photos? When I was in uh, middle school, we had yearbook middle school photos. And what's funny about when you look back at yearbook, 
middle school photos, and don't, don't show the photo quite yet. I'm gonna, I'll get to that. I have a, something y'all are going to, I think, like. But yearbook middle school photos are interesting because you can look back on them, and uh, you see your friends, what they used to look like and what they look like now. Or you see yourself and what you used to look like and what you look like now. And, and thank God for glow-ups because it was rough back in the day. And so in the sixth grade, I was... I think I was 11 or 12 years old, somewhere around there. I was about three foot two, and I was, I was very small, scrawny little boy. I was sweet and innocent, and I did not know what the world had to offer at that point in my life. I, I was very, uh, I don't know, just an innocent kid. And so I, I got this photo at the beginning of the school year. So you, you get your photo at the beginning of the school year, and then later on, uh, this, the yearbook comes out, right? And so you see the, the photos at the end of the school year. So this photo was taken, and at this time period of my life, my mom would cut my hair. And uh, my mom, I guess, thought that she could cut hair. She thought she was a pretty good hair cutter. And uh, the, the opposite is true. My mom was pretty terrible at cutting my hair. And so when she would cut my hair, I would just let her do it. I'd go to school, and she was like, okay, Blake, you have yearbook photos coming up. I'm going to cut your hair, and uh, you're going to look great. Okay, and so I didn't look great, and uh, you can throw that, that photo up on the screen, and uh, yeah, so that's what I looked like. I was a 12-year-old little boy. It, this was like right when uh, pink polos were cool. You know those t-shirts that says, real men wear pink? That was when that was starting to get cool, so I was, I was pretty cool here, um, but I had this, this, uh, this photo of me, and y'all ever watched, what's the show, Nesdy Classified? Did y'all ever watch that show? Yeah, Coconut Head, that's what I looked like, yeah. And, and it, it literally looked, I don't know how this happened. And, and like, I kind of looking back on it, I remember my friends would kind of say like, you look like Coconut Head. I'm like, no, I don't. And like, I finally realized that I actually did kind of look like Coconut Head when the yearbook photo came out at the, the end of the year. And I was just like, I was devastated. Like, I was so embarrassed. And people were like, because you get your yearbook and you're like, okay, I'm going to get everyone to go sign it. And I was like, I don't want anyone to see my photo. And like, it was just, it was very embarrassing. Um. Here's another kind of question. So you see this photo, and you can assume some things about 12-year-old little Blake, right? Uh, you can probably make some inferences or guesses as to what he was like. Here's the, another question. Have you all ever seen those pictures of uh, Jesus? You know the ones where they have him looking like he has, like, just got his perm, and he has, like, green eyes, and he looks like he belongs in a Dove soap commercial because his skin looks so soft? Like, the, we have, we've seen those photos, right? And so what's interesting about all that, what's funny about that is that I think that it may not be a photo, it may not be an actual image, and it may be, but I think that all of us, we have an image or idea of Jesus in our mind. When I ask you the question, I say, what do you think of when you hear the name Jesus? You have something that you think of. You have something that you think of when you hear the name Jesus. And, and, and it comes from, I think, different uh, influences. And I think the different influences, one of them is, is people, right? So I believe that people influence our idea of Jesus, whether it be your parents, right? Some of us grew up in Christian households, some of us didn't, and, and for those that didn't, sometimes your parents may not have liked the idea of Jesus, and they talk negatively about Jesus, or, or they asked questions about Jesus, or they wondered about Jesus, or, or for instance, you have your friends. I have some friends that don't believe in Jesus at all, and they will ask me questions uh, all the time and say, who is he? Is he really real? Is he, is he a zombie? He rose from the dead. Like, so there are all these influences that people have on us when they give us these ideas of who Jesus was. And, and for many of us, it's hard to wrestle with those things because sometimes we don't have an answer. Uh, the next thing is this. I think that culture has a huge influence of who Jesus is. You look at it like 
in culture, you see Jesus in movies. You see Jesus in TV shows where they, where they joke about him. Or, or you see Jesus, um, people wear cross necklaces. They're tattoos of Jesus. And, and we have all these ideas of Jesus. And then we don't really know who he is on the basis of these influences. And these influences all place this idea or this image of Jesus in our mind that may not be necessarily true to who he really is, but it does give some kind of idea to us as to who he might be. But more often than not, I believe it's not who he really is, and it's not really who he wanted to be uh, seen as. And so we, we see all these influences, and the, this one is, is pretty hard for me to kind of think about as someone that wants to work in church and do church the rest of my life. The church sometimes is given a bad influence of who Jesus is. And if you've been hurt by, by the church, I'm sorry. That's not who Jesus was. He didn't look to, to hurt you or, or act like he didn't want you. Jesus cares about you. He loves you, and he wants to be there for you. So the church, the church also presses an influence of who Jesus is to everyone. Some people teach false, false things about Jesus. Some, thing, some things are true. Some things are positive. Some things are negative. But we all have this idea. We all have this image of Jesus in our minds. And, and what happens is and when these ideas of Jesus come in our minds, we all have a response to it, right? We all respond to Jesus in different ways. And we all have a different idea of Jesus because we all have different stories of life and different vantage points of life. And so our response is, is sometimes in my life I've seen where I begin to doubt I begin to wonder, it's like, okay, is he, is he really who he says he is? Is he really, really, did he really save me? And, and, and I begin to doubt, and then I begin to worry. And, and, and the worry in my life, I, I begin to worry and, and try to place faith in myself and not him. And, and then I begin to fear because I know that I can't do it on my own. And I begin to become so concerned with my life that these, these influences that, that culture and people in the church have had on me are more powerful than who Jesus really is and who he says he is in my mind. And that's hard. That's, I think that's something that all Christians deal with, and I think it's okay because something I, I, I talked to someone recently, and I, the whole thing about doubt of who Jesus is is don't let your doubt defeat you, but let it, let it help you grow in your faith. Let it help you uh, move further along. And so that's what I kind of want to talk about tonight is that who is Jesus? Like, look at this. For instance, that, bring that photo back up. You can look at sixth grade Blake. And you can make some guesses about him. You can make some inferences about him. But unless you talked with a sixth grade, like if you, unless you sat down with him and talked with him, you wouldn't really know much about him. Now, you can make some guesses. Uh, they probably wouldn't be true, though. For many of you and from, in my life, I've made a lot of guesses about Jesus. I've made a lot of assumptions about Jesus. But I think the thing that we need to realize is that we can go to the source. If you really want to know who Jesus is, if you really want to know what he was about, what he was passionate about, what he cared about, why he came to earth, why he lived, and why he died, then go to what he says about himself. Because I can tell you more about myself than other people can. Other influences can. And so can Jesus. The words of Jesus tell us who he is. And the reality is this. Regardless of what your relationship with Jesus is, he's had an impact in your life some way. I believe that the majority of the world knows who Jesus is. If you are asked someone in another country or in another city, they probably know who Jesus is. We see these influences. What would, what would Jesus do? WWJD. People know what that means. Or, or think about this. Uh, most historians or most people will say that B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death. Whether that's true or not, people say that. People use that. So Jesus has had an impact in all of our lives. It's reality. It's whether or not you want to own up to it or not. Jesus has had a impact on your life, and you think about him in some form or fashion. So just like that photo, you can look at it and kind of guess, but sixth grade Blake could tell you more about himself 
than you could or you could guess. And the same thing goes for Jesus. And what Jesus says in this story and where he's talking to the Pharisees and he's with them and he says to them, they ask him the question, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? And they ask him this, who do you make yourself out to be? In other translations, it says, who do you think you are? So the, so the Pharisees don't like Jesus. They, they, they really are not very fond of him. And, and he says this. He says this to them. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say. He is our God. And he says this, but you have not known him. Now think about this. The most religious people, Jesus saying, you don't even know him. You do not know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. Now he's calling them liars. But I do know him and I keep his word. And this is really important because what we need to understand about this text is what, what, what the whole idea is that Abraham was very important to the Jewish people because he is a patriarch, which means he's the father of their nation. And, and he says this, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Jesus is saying that Abraham was rejoicing because the day of Jesus meant the day of salvation for his people and then one time and then the world. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not even 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, if you know a little about, about the Old Testament and, and some Jewish history, in the Old Testament, I am was a statement where God would, would talk about himself. When he met with Moses at the burning bush, he says, I am. In this moment, Jesus is claiming to be God. He says, I am. Before Abraham, I was God. I am God. And in 2018, he's still impacting our world. Why? Because he is God. And so that means something for us. That means something in our life. So if Jesus is God, what does this mean for us? If we believe this and we build our life around this, what does it mean? And thankfully, Jesus tells us again. And we see this in these verses in John chapter 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way. I think what's interesting about this is I feel like Thomas a lot of times. Like, I don't know the way. Like, what are you doing? Jesus, like, what's going on in my life? I don't understand. Like, I don't know the way. How can we know the way? Where are you going? There are seasons in my life where I wonder what in the world God is doing. Like, I wonder, like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you making me go through these times? I want to know the way. What are you doing? And, and what's so cool is that I can relate to Thomas because Thomas was with Jesus, and he even asked these questions. He says, I want to know the way, but I don't. And Jesus, thankfully, he responds. And I believe that his response gives us a way to live a life that believes that Jesus is who he says he is. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think Jesus' response tells us several things. And these are some things that you can write down. The first thing is this. If he is the way, then I don't have to wander. If he is the way then I don't have to wander. Wandering, when you think about the word wander, what it means is to walk aimlessly or to walk without an end goal or to travel without an end goal. Many of us are living life wandering. Many of us are living a life where we don't have an end goal. We're simply trying to make it day to day, but we don't have a purpose for each day. And what I want to tell you is that Jesus takes our wandering and gives us away. So if he is the way, I don't have to wander. When do we wander? We wander, I think we wander when we wait. Who in here hates waiting on stuff? 
I'm one of the most impatient people. Like, for instance, I love Amazon because you, you can get the, like, the two-day shipping on Prime. Like, do any of y'all have that? I love that. So you can go and you can order. Another thing that they get me with is like the one uh, you click in, buy, one-click buy, so you don't have to make a conscious effort to make a decision of whether or not you need it or not, but you can go and you can buy it, and then you have the two-day shipping, and you're waiting on you're waiting on it, and then your package finally comes, and it's like, ah, oh, it's just, I love two-day shipping. But, but when I don't have two-day shipping, my mom is actually canceling our prom account in April, and so I'm kind of sad about that, and so I'm going to have to do five-day shipping. And so this five-day shipping means I'm going to have to wait even longer for my packages to get there. And for me, I love to order clothes online, books online, anything, but the thing about it is I hate waiting. And the reason so is because we want what we want now. We, we want it now. Uh, we hate it. We hate waiting. We hate waiting on what God is doing in our lives. We hate waiting on his calling. We hate waiting on the season that he has. But the season of waiting is not to be wasted. The season of waiting is not to be wasted. See, waiting can be a good thing. What I think waiting also does is, and this is when it gets kind of hard, waiting often, often causes us to compare ourselves to others. Waiting often causes us to compare ourselves to others. When you see your friend that's, that's doing well in something or got the new job or has a better opportunity than you and they're moving on to something else, you begin to ask the question, why, why not me? Like, like, have I not done the things I need to do, God? Like, why, why, can't you, why can't you help me out? Like, why am I having to wait on the next thing? Why am I having to wait in this season? I don't understand what's going on. And in this waiting, we begin to compare ourselves instead of using the waiting for something good. See, in my life, the, the seasons of waiting... They've made me take my faith and not just talk about it, but actually use it. We don't just talk about it. We get to use it. Patience. We get to have it. We get patience because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And we, we obtain these, these fruits of the Spirit through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. And because of that, we get to wait joyfully and glad. Here's the thing about waiting. You don't even have to wait because you've been given everything that you already need. If, if God never gave me another thing, Jesus Christ is enough. If he took it all, the story of Job is such a great example of this, that he had so much faith that he didn't need anything because he had God. We wait, and it's hard. I'll tell you this. Do not let seasons of waiting lead you to wander on your own path, but be led on the path of God's way. I'll say that again. Do not let seasons of waiting lead you to wander on your own path, but be led on the path of God's way. What's, a, what's another reason we wander? We wander when we want. We want a lot of stuff. I want to be happy. I want to be in love one day. I want to be, uh, have success. I want all those things, right? And so I think what I see often is I've seen this with some of my friends is that they will wander and they will leave the things that God has given them, the opportunities that they have, just to be in a relationship. That's one way. I've seen a lot of people wander in that way. I've seen a lot of people wander just to be successful, just to get the things that they want. I've seen people wander and go off and try and find things that they think that will make them happy. I have a lot of friends that when we graduated high school, they went to college and they said, I'm going to put this God thing to the side for a little bit and I'm going to kind of do what I want because I feel like it's going to make me happy. But what happens at the end of all this wandering to get what we want in that moment, in that moment it leaves us unsatisfied and not happy. It leaves us in a season of wandering. This continual action of living life day to day with no end goal, with no purpose. But I want to tell you again is that Jesus gives those days purpose. He gives the wandering a place to wander to. And that's such good news for us. We wander when we want. And this is a big one I think for all of us in here is I wander when I worry. I, 
there are times in my life where I, I have a hard time going to sleep sometimes because I begin to think about the whole waiting thing. Like, God, what are you leading me to? I don't know what you have next for me. And so I begin to worry. We all worry. We all have to struggle with that. And, and all the wandering, we begin to worry because we realize we cannot make a way for ourselves that will satisfy us. We begin to worry and we wander away from what God has for us. And this is what I want to tell you. Worry becomes prevalent in your life. Listen to this. Worry becomes prevalent in your life when you have more faith in your own way than God's way. It becomes prevalent in your life when your faith is in your own way rather than God's way. And so we wander when we worry. And so here's the thing. If he is the way, then I don't have to wander. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he says I am the way, then we don't have to wander. We have a path. We have someone to guide us, someone to lead us in these seasons of waiting, in these seasons of wanting, and in these seasons of worrying. The next thing is this. If he is the truth, then I can trust. We live in a culture where it is not cool to trust people. Have you noticed that? Like in music, it's like, don't trust these. If you listen to rap music, you know, like, don't say it, but like that, that's one of those things. Like culture pushes this whole idea of do not trust people. Get it for yourself. Do what you can for yourself. Get money. Get success. Get the girl. Do whatever you can, but don't trust anyone. Only trust yourself. Only trust what you want. Only trust what you can do, and that's all you need. That's what culture has pushed on us, and, and it's such a shame because the whole Bible, it just it talks about this whole story of putting trust in someone greater than ourselves. And for many of us, we have a hard time with that. For instance, you get into a relationship, right? And you think they're the one. Like, you're ready. Like, you've been dating a week, but they're the one. And then you begin to, like, you begin to imagine what your life's going to be like together. You begin to think about marriage, and, and you think, oh, my goodness, she's the one or he's the one. I'm going to go pick out a ring. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to do all these things. It's going to be the greatest life that I could ever imagine. And they sit you down, and they say, yeah, man, it ain't, ain't working out. And it hurts. It hurts real bad. And in that moment, you're like, I'm not trusting anyone ever again. I'm not trusting no girls. I've been there. I remember, I think it was in high school, a girl broke up with me. I said, I'm not, I'm not dating ever again. And that's not true at all. But here's the thing. It, it's hard because when we get hurt, we oftentimes allow our trust to reflect our trust in God. Our trust in people should not reflect the trust that we have for God. Because here's what I want to tell you. Regardless of how much you trust another human being, regardless of how much you trust a job or a school, those things can let you down. But the thing that you can trust is God and Jesus. And, and what he says about himself is, if he is the truth, then I can trust. That's the one thing that is never going to let you down. It says in Hebrews, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that is something that we can trust in. That's something we can hold on to, something that is good and hopeful. And, and it, it gives me life and it gives me joy to know that every day that I wake up, whether I am in a season of wandering, waiting or whatever, I can trust God because he is good regardless. A little story I'll tell you is on Sunday afternoons, I moved into a new apartment and there's this uh, basketball goal that is near my apartment. And uh, every Sunday afternoon, well, not every Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday, uh, I heard these two little black boys, and I go outside, and I start hanging out with them, and we start playing basketball, and we begin to play 21, and their names are Bryson and BJ, and they're both 10 years old, and they start asking me all sorts of questions uh, that were funny. They were like, do you have a wife? I was like, no, bro. Uh, they're cute kids, and so we, be we begin to hang out, and so BJ had to leave, and me and Bryson just started to sit there and kind of talk about a few things, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm about to have to go inside, but here's what I want to tell you. 
He said, you see that white car in the driveway? If the white car is in the driveway on Sunday afternoons, come to the door and knock on it. I'm going to come to the door, and I'll come out and play with y'all whenever. And every Sunday since then, those two boys have come up to the door, and they knock on it. And every Sunday, I go out there, and I play 21 with them. Why? Because they trust me. Do you have that same trust? Are you going to go to the door? Are you going to knock? Are you going to say, come be with me, Jesus? I need you. I know you care about me. I think the, the biggest thing about these two boys is the reason I keep going with them is that they know that I care about them. They're not my kids, but I love them. But, but think about this. If I care about those two little boys that I don't even really know that well, think about how much more God cares about you. Think about how much more God loves you because he knows every single thing about you. Isn't that beautiful? So we know that he can, we can trust him because he's good. And, and the psalmist says this, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. In the times of trouble, you can trust God. You can trust Jesus because he is who he says he is. And those who know your name put their trust in you. Those who know God, we as people that come and we gather and we worship, if we know, we, we know God, we put our trust in him, we worship him, we seek him. And then it says this, I love this verse. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You have not forsaken those who seek you. As you continue to grow in your faith, as you continue to walk in your faith, God will not forsake you. Whatever season you're in, if it's hurting, if it's pleasant, if it's joyful, God is there. God cares for you. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wants those moments with you. God has not forsaken you if you seek him. And I want to say this. Think about this. The thing that you are seeking the most is what you desire to trust the most. The thing that you are seeking the most is what you desire to trust the most. So if you're seeking a relationship the most, that's what you really want to trust in. If you're seeking uh, good grades the most, that's really what you want to trust in. If you're seeking a success in a job one day, that's really what you want to trust in. But here's what I want to say. This verse tells us, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So if we seek God, that is the thing that we will trust the most. If we seek God, that is the thing that we will trust the most. If he is the truth, then I can trust. If he is true, what is truth? What is right and correct? And we know that God is right and correct and he cannot be wrong. He cannot be untrusted, but he can be trusted. And Jesus says that about himself. He says, I am the truth. I know the way. I know the way. Trust me. My way is better than your way. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just follow me. And so if he is the truth, then I can trust. And this third thing, if he is the life, then I can live. That's good news. That's real good news. If he is the life, then I can live. Some of you are living tonight, but you haven't found life. That whole wandering thing, day to day, day to day, no purpose, no hope, no discipline. What are disciples, people that are disciplined? And if we are disciplined in Jesus, we are following Jesus and we have a purpose and we have life because our life has purpose and the days that we live have purpose because we begin to believe that he does know the way, that he is the way and that we can live and have true life and have life abundantly. That is what he says. He says in his word, come to me, those who are weak. Come to me, I, I, I will give you abundant life, a life of abundance. That Those whole things that we want, or that we, we worry about. Those things are not going to give us abundant life, but it is in Christ Jesus because of the death and resurrection that he did for us that we find abundant life. And that is what good news is. Some of us are, are looking for life in everything but the life giver. Some of us are looking for life in everything but the life giver. Look for life to the one that can give life. You don't go 
find life in a graveyard. And some of us are living in the graveyard. If he is the life, then I can live. And this last thing, if he is who he says he is, then I will follow his lead. If he is who he says he is, if, if all this is true, if he's God, like he said to the Pharisees, and if he is the way, if he is the truth, and he is the life, just like he said to Thomas, then, then I'm going to follow him. Why? Because he's good. Because he knows the way. Because he is someone we can trust. He is someone we can find life in. And I'm going to follow him. If we believe what Jesus said about himself, I think we can't help but follow him. If we really believe it, if it's really what we build our life on, we cannot help but follow him. And here's some kind of some, some practical applications of what we take from when we look at Jesus. So if Jesus was the way, then we should pay attention to his actions. Begin to look and seek out what Jesus did, the way he treated people, the way he loved people, the way he lived his life. If he is the way, if he knows the way, and his way is better than our way, the way that we live is often not like Jesus, but we say we're Christ followers. Was Christian means little Christ. So we're to be like little Jesuses, walking all over the place. So if he was the truth, or if he was the way, we should pay attention to his actions. His earliest followers were, were disciples. They were disciplined in what Jesus did. That's why the church grew, because they were much like Jesus, faithful and abundant. And what does Jesus say when he's about to leave? He says, you guys, hey, someone's coming. It's the Holy Spirit. And uh, you're going to be able to do greater things than even I. And that's crazy to think about that. Jesus said that to his disciples. You're going to do greater things than even I. So if we begin to pay attention to his actions, we begin to pay attention to the things that Jesus did, the way he lived, the way he treated people, the way that he loved, and the way that he sacrificed, we're going we're gonna to live a life that's way better than our own way. If Jesus was the truth, then we should listen to his words. His words give us wisdom. His words give us hope. His words give us something that we can trust in. His words throughout the whole four Gospels tell us that I love you. And they say the Bible is like a love letter, and I really believe that. I believe Jesus' life was a love letter to us, and it's, it's written in these pages to give us something to hope in. So when we begin to look at his words... We realize that it's true. We realize that he's good. When we realize that we can find better wisdom from him than on our own. If Jesus was the life, then we should take his instructions seriously. Everything that Jesus commanded be, be, should be taken seriously. If Jesus was the life, then we should take his instructions seriously. Ultimately, if he is who he says he is, then I'll follow his lead. That's what this comes down to. I'll ask the band to, to come back up, but... Here's what I want to ask you is, what are you following? Who are you following? What people are you following? We ask that question about social media. What accounts are you following? And we follow those things and we keep up with it, right? We keep up with what people are doing. We keep up with all these things. Are we keeping up with what Jesus is doing? Are we keeping up with his way? Are we keeping up with his truth? And are we keeping up with his life? His way is the best way. He knows the way. And for those of you tonight that are wondering, like, what, what am I doing? What, am I wandering? Am I waiting? Am I worrying? Am I trusting in everything else? Am I not living a life that is full and good? Find that hope and find that trust in Jesus because I believe he is who he says he is. When he says I am, that he is. So if he is who he says he is, then I'll follow his lead. Imagine what your life will look like if you begin to do that. Imagine what your life will look like. We talk about abundance. An abundant life is a life where you can go home at night and lay your head down and sleep well.
because you know that you had a goal in that day and that was to glorify him and that was to follow him. Imagine what your life would look like and imagine what we together as a community of abiders, Christians or whatever, what it would look like if we all did that. If we all had a goal each day, I'm going to follow his lead. I'm going to follow his way. I believe that we would really begin to change the world. We would begin to do some great things for God and we wouldn't just be hearers of the word but also doers. And that's what he says. Don't just be hearers, be doers. And doers follow. So if he is who he says he is, then I will follow his lead. See, his words say way more about himself than assumptions or ideas that we have. Just like that silly photo of me. Sixth grade Blake would have told you a bunch of different things and you could have inferred a bunch of other things. But here's what you got to realize is that Jesus is good and you can follow him and you can trust him and you can find life in him. Are you living? Are you living? Are you trusting him? That's what I would ask you tonight. Are you living a life that is following? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy, God. We thank you for everything that you're doing tonight. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for we thank you for worship. Jesus, I, I ask that you would move in someone's heart tonight, God, in these few moments of worship, that maybe they would find a moment where it was just, just you and them that uh, they, they hear you and they see you and they're, they're with you and, and they realize, wow, you're a good God. Wow, you really love me. And we get to be in your presence. We get to sing to you. We get to live our lives that reflect a life just like you. And that is so good. That is so good. We thank you for everything that you've done tonight, Lord. We thank you for the people that are in these seats, God, because you brought them here and you needed them to be here for a specific purpose. In Jesus' name we pray.